Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Leap Takers podcast, the podcast for the curious, where I'm interviewing daring European entrepreneurs, investors and shapers from various fields so that you can learn how they get started on their journey and that you can discover the insights, tips, tricks and tactics that they gathered so that you too can take the leap. I'm super happy to present to you a very exciting guest for today's episode. The interview was absolutely fascinating for me and it was an absolute pleasure to have this guest on the show. So who am I talking about? My guest today is Matthias Ockenfels. So who is he? Despite his relatively young age, Matthias already had quite a career. So to give you a short bio, Matthias is a partner at Speed Invest, one of Europe's leading venture capital firms. Speed Invest is headquartered in Vienna and just recently raised its latest fund of 190 million euro. Matthias is really someone who eats and briefs marketplaces. So that's why he runs Speed Invest X, which is a focus fund that invests into network effects and online marketplaces in Europe and globally. Previously, he was an angel investor and VC in early stage tech startups at Point9 Capital and Mountain Partners as well. So he had a pretty long career already in VC and we'll go really deep into that as well in the podcast. His previous investments include companies like Liferando, Star of Service, Xenita, Sift, and Uniplaces. And his current portfolio includes some well-known lanes like Tier Mobility. This is one of Europe's leading scooter companies, CoachHub, Coelate.io, and PackHelp. He is also the initiator and host of the Marketplace Conference, which we also briefly touch in this interview. I leave it at that and let Matthias himself tell you later about his career and how he got to where he is today. I'm super excited again about this episode and that Matthias decided to come on the podcast and share a lot of his personal insights and learning from his path. Also, if you're interested in online marketplaces, startups, or VC, this episode is definitely for you. As always, before we get started, I'd like to share one of my favorite quotes. Here we go. I think the biggest competitive advantage in business, either for a company or for an individual's career, is long-term thinking with a broad view of how different systems in the world are going to come together. One of the notable aspects of compound growth is that the furthest out years are the most important. In a world where almost no one takes a truly long-term view, the market richly rewards those who do. This is a quote by Sam Altman, one of the leading faces behind Y Combinator in the US. So without further delay, please enjoy this episode with Matthias Ockenfels. Hello, Matthias. Welcome to the Leap Takers podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me and uh, great to be here. Yeah. So for people that might be not that familiar with you or what you've been up to, could you quickly introduce yourself in a few sentences, like to someone you just met, for example, at a cocktail party and briefly explain what you're doing and what you're working on? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Matthias. I'm uh, 34 years old. I live in Berlin. I'm originally from Germany. I lived in, in many different places, mostly across, across Europe, actually also in Switzerland, but also uh, for a longer time in France. I build and invest into marketplace companies. I have been doing this um, already for almost 12 years now. I uh, initially started my career working for a Swiss um, yeah, VC fund in 
2008, 2009, uh, after graduating from business school, and then um, also had some experience working on the kind of strategic side um, for NASPERS or a subsidiary of NASPERS, and after which I again went on to, to VC on the venture capital side. And uh, that's what I've been spending uh, most of my time on for the last uh, couple of years, basically investing into and helping to build uh, very early stage marketplace businesses in Europe. Uh, most of the time out of Berlin, but also yeah, traveling quite a bit. Cool. And if I remember right from your bio, after you finished studying, you started at uh, Mountain Partners, I believe, uh, in Zurich. And for me, uh, it looked like you knew exactly that you wanted to go into the venture capital and startup investing space uh, professionally. So <laughs> is that true? Or where does this interest for startups, VC and uh, marketplaces come from? Sure. So uh, it's, it's multiple uh, layers and, and aspects to it, actually. So uh, to be very honest, when I started studying, or I actually had no idea about VC and about the whole entrepreneurial ecosystem and landscape and also didn't think much about the notion of, of marketplaces or, or platforms. I was I'm excited and super interested and curious about the internet and the opportunities that the internet was offering. and. I already started building websites basically when I was a student in, um, in high school and I was doing that as a summer job uh, for a local tool trading company and building their online shop basically. But that was uh, uh, over, over 20 years ago basically. And that was my first glimpse into the world of the internet, of, uh, of e-commerce and in general the the kind of software landscape. And then I knew, okay, this is something that I like. I also want to do something with business. So I studied in, at the European School of Business in, in Reutlingen, in the south of Germany, double degree a diploma where you actually spend half of the time in Germany and the other half in another country. I picked France because I wanted to learn French. So I loved that a lot. And during my studies there, I, I actually came across a, a alumni for my business school, who um, was looking uh, for someone to, to intern with the firm that he was working at, which, which happened to be a VC firm. And he had seen that I had put entrepreneur in my uh, LinkedIn profile or the equivalent of LinkedIn in, in Germany at the time. And, that's, and he saw that I was uh, at the same university that he was studying at before. So he approached me, asked me if I wasn't looking for an internship, because as part of the studies, you need to do a a uh, kind of a mandatory internship. And it happened that I was actually uh, in need for an internship. And what he was explaining to me was basically exactly covering all my interests that I had, which were a little bit of finance, but also internet and, and in a very international setup. And I, I said, okay, that's, I only understand half of what you are explaining to me and of, of what you are doing. I actually have no idea, to be honest. But it sounds super exciting. I would love to, to learn more and I would love to work there. So I, I did an interview, worked well, and, and they hired me as an, as an intern initially. So I did my mandatory internship with them Then also wrote my thesis with that same firm and then eventually started working there after my studies. So pretty good start into the industry, basically. And I would say it's rather unusual, at least at the time, it was still a very small ecosystem. It was rather unusual that people would start their career in as a VC, basically, or in, as, an, as an investor. 
and I was lucky enough to have that opportunity um, at the time. And, and that's how I started at Mountain Partners in, in Zurich uh, back then. And the, the, the good thing there was basically that this was a very small firm uh, in terms of a number of employees. So every individual employee had a lot of responsibility. And, and even though I was quite young and still very inexperienced, I was yeah, lucky enough to have a lot of responsibility and the ability to also be involved with making my own deals and deal making, which um, uh, I think was a great foundation to basically do uh, yeah, learning by doing and uh, learning the VC craft in, in real life, just trial and error. Okay. You also mentioned that you had a contact already that helped you to at least get an introduction to, uh, to the company, the VC firm. And also from my experience, I feel like it's, it's very hard to, first of all, hear about open opportunities in VC. And so there's often also not that many positions in the space. So from your view now, do you have any tips for someone that just graduated or maybe that is, you know, like looking to enter the VC space, how to actually land a job in, in this industry? Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest, at the time, it was even much harder because there were much less firms in Europe, uh, at least. That there wasn't much money in the market at all. And basically, the only way to get in was through uh, a prior uh, personal relationship, which actually I didn't know that person before, but, but he just got in touch with me because I was at the same university, right? So that was one thing that we had in common. And he reached out primarily, as I said, because he had seen that I had indicated I'm an entrepreneur, which, to be honest, I wasn't really an entrepreneur. I had done a lot of side jobs and stuff, but I wasn't really running a business in the proper sense. I was a student, right? Uh, but I think he liked that kind of attitude, and that's why he reached out and, and liked the background. And that was my way in. And I don't think that is necessarily something that works for everyone. I mean, you can always try to break into the industry through an internship and much more firms by now in Europe as well that also offer internship opportunities. But at the same time, there's also many, many people that want to do that job. There's also by now, which did not exist at the time, several um, newsletters and job sites that are specifically focused on roles in investment firms or VC firms. For example, my uh, friend Stefan von Perger, who uh, has a newsletter just for this for the European market. And I think there's a, a equivalent of that also for the American market. So I think it's by now much more sophisticated and much more transparent. There's also many people that blog about it, not, not just about VC in general, but also of how to land a job or about their own job as being a VC and what your responsibilities are and what you do. So it's mostly about just finding that kind of content and then read it. So like, 10 years or over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I started, most of that wasn't there. And there were very few VCs that were actually blogging from the US and sharing some of their knowledge and some of their insights. It was all still very much the, the early days, specifically in Europe. Uh, and I think we have done a lot of catch up here in Europe, but compared to the US, but there's still also a long way to go for us. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I see that a lot has happened uh, in the space and there's a lot more content. But maybe to be more precise to your question, because you was asking about like, what would be my tip for students or people that are interested in breaking into the industry. What I personally, as a partner at SpeedInvest, value when we evaluate um, potential candidates for different positions that we have is basically that people 
not just wanting to break into VC for the sake of doing VC, but they have a genuine interest in entrepreneurship, in startups, in building companies, and specifically also in the focus that we have. So at Speedinvest, we have different focus areas, different focus funds that focus on specific topics. And, and obviously, I, I like when someone shares our passion and has the same interest and can actually credibly show and prove that uh, there's a deeper reason on why they want to do this. And to be very honest, many of the people that intern or uh, at Speedinvest actually have had prior operational experience. And they are not just graduating from a university and this is their first job or their first internship. Actually, almost all of them uh, have had different jobs already before and proper, real, regular jobs before. The internship as an opportunity to basically get a glimpse at the VC world and see if it works for them or not, and then uh, if they want to pursue a career in this industry or not. So I, that's maybe a little bit unusual compared to most other industries where if you are interning, that's your first uh, professional experience or one of your first professional career steps. Uh, whereas I think in our industry, due to the big appeal basically, uh, there's many, many people that are already more experienced than I would say the average intern, right? And there aren't that many open positions. And it's simply because typical VC firm is not that large, does not have that many people on their payroll. And it's a very, very long-term oriented job and career. And so the jobs and don't fluctuate that much, right? People commit for a long amount of time. It's all due to the dynamics and the incentive setting in the industry and, and also because probably people like what they are doing so they simply are not leaving those jobs uh, very frequently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. And what would you say are like the skills or abilities that are the most relevant or important to being a VC? I think it's not that one profile. Also different firms, different companies prefer different backgrounds. I think in general, there's more, I would say, certain character traits that are important, which is, I think, curiosity and the willingness to learn. I think you need to be very good also with people and like to talk to people because you need to convince uh, founders to work with you, to work with us, and rather than with someone else. It's, it's a highly people-driven industry and, and interpersonal skills is in my view very important and ideally you can also bring something to the table that is useful for the, the entrepreneurs for the founders that we're working so i don't know a specific skill that you have learned or specific insights that you have gathered is usually helpful but there's not that one career and i i believe if you would look at the profile of the most successful VCs uh, in the industry, they're all different. So I think there's journalists, there's some people from the music industry, there's people with a financial background. I think this notion that you need to have, I don't know, a financial background or I, I don't know, have, having worked as a consultant or something like this is, um, is, is not really the case anymore in that sense. I think the entrepreneurial experience is much more important and uh, being simply yeah, curious and open-minded is, is actually uh, very, very important. And, and genuine interest for, for this industry, for startups, for new, new technologies, for innovation, I think that's, that's much more important than seeing this as a 
step in your career and kind of some something that you need to cross off your checklist, right? Also, I think it's very important to understand that many, many people think this is the kind of ultimate job that you should be doing or reaching. And I don't think it's for everyone. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's a very specific job that actually doesn't necessarily appeal to everyone. It's not always just a great job. I obviously love it. And I think it's great for me, but it doesn't mean that it's great for everyone. Right? So it's also, I think, very important to, to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. So can you walk me uh, briefly through your career steps from, from Mountain Partners now to Speed Invest and kind of different stations you went through to get the audience an uh, image? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just briefly to sum up, because I, I omitted a few of these steps in my, in my earlier introduction. So just to sum up quickly what, the, what I actually did, and then maybe I can uh, generalize a bit more, uh, which hopefully is a bit more applicable for, for, for everyone out there. So my, my personal steps were basically, I started at this firm in Switzerland. I, I did an internship with them in the beginning, then they hired me after I graduated. I worked there for two years. Then I had already exposure to uh, portfolio companies, so I was managing my own portfolio. I was actually doing deals at that time, which is, I would say, highly unusual. I would not do that in, in my team with someone with so little experience, but I was lucky enough that while I was in a position back then to be able to do that, and this is something I'm very grateful for, but it's not something I would necessarily do today anymore with anyone in my team, for example. And then... After that, I, I joined Naspers, as I said, which is basically gave me the view of a strategic buyer of, of the companies that I was previously at Mountain Partners investing into, right? So suddenly it's a, it's a different um, approach and it's a different view, but it, it was actually very um, helpful in comparison to what I had done before. And I think at Naspers, I learned a lot of the, the basics and on how to do it also right only working with people that are smarter and much better than I am, which was amazing also, and, and being able to learn a lot from them and having that kind of strategic aspect and strategic view uh, and actually also being able to do M&A deals. And then after that, again, coming back into VC, uh, but then with all this prior experience, basically also being able to do it right. And uh, I joined Point9 Capital which had just raised their first institutional fund at the time and were just building the team. So I went to Berlin and I joined them and they wanted to build out their marketplace practice. So they had two focus areas, SaaS and marketplaces, and I wanted to double down more in marketplaces. So I, I joined in order to do that because that's what I had done before, both at Naspers and at Mountain Partners. And it was just great to basically be there from the early days at point nine and, and help build up the, the brand and, and the firm and be part of all, the, all how this grew up and, and see how also the whole ecosystem grew uh, in, at the same time. And we were basically right in the middle of it, which was a, was a really uh, great experience. And then after basically about four years there, I was, okay, what's next? What, what am I doing now? And um, I was uh, tempted to, to, to also join the startup side of things. So I was, I was looking at my own profile and I was thinking, okay, if I want to have a career in VC and I maybe want to have my own fund at one point, what skills am I actually lacking? And at the time, I thought it would be smart to actually spend a bit more time on the entrepreneurial side and work in a startup or do my own startup. So I joined a marketplace company, of course, and um, 
and work with them. But the funny thing is, once you're out of the industry, and because it's such a small ecosystem, I had a lot of people reaching out and talking to me for other opportunities in VC. So it happened that this opportunity of basically doing my own fund came up earlier than I had planned. I wasn't planning for that that early. And yeah, I was lucky enough to get in touch with Oliver from, from Speed Invest. And they had this idea and this opportunity to set up this focus fund strategy and had um, some of the existing LP base that was interested in a, in a specific, specific theme around marketplaces, which was exactly what I would have done anyways myself. So I decided to, to take on that challenge and I joined Speed Invest to, uh, to build up this focus fund strategy together, launch Speed Invest X, which is the fund focus on network effects, so all things marketplaces, platforms at Speed Invest. And, and basically it was fortunate to enough to be there and, and be able to build the fund from scratch, which we did over the last two years, a bit longer, which is extremely rewarding and uh, a great thing to do. So that was basically very short my, my career over the last uh, 12 years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, sorry, it took a little bit of time, but it was also 12 years is quite some time. And I just was lucky to start early, really. That, that's it. I, I started at the age of 23, 24, right after when graduating, basically. And it, as I said, in VC, everything takes a lot of time. One fund takes 10 years. It's extremely long to see if the investments that you are making are actually successful. So I, I was basically reaping the benefits from the investments I made when I was 10 years ago, only over the last couple of years. And and, and that's basically because it's so long, you only see if you're actually a good investor after such a long time. And, and that's where time plays an important, uh, plays an important role. And, and experience basically plays an important role. It's not so much about age. It's more about when did you start and how much time did you have in order to show what you can do because it takes so much time to materialize and basically be able to, to prove to people that, that you can do it. Yeah, definitely. The feedback loops in VC are very long. And so it really takes a lot of time until you realize, oh, I'm a good investor or I, I'm, this might not be for me. Yeah. Can you give the audience a quick overview about Speed Invest in general? Like what does the company do and some quick facts, like what stage you invest in, what type of companies you generally look for, etc. Sure. Absolutely. So um, already mentioned a little bit earlier, but basically we are a larger uh, group or family of, uh, of different funds. And, and um, we are actually a little bit of a strange animal compared to the average um, early stage fund out there. So um, as I said already, we are focused on the very early stages of a company. Uh, usually we invest at pre-seed or, or seed stage. We are the first institutional investor coming in, even the first investor at all coming into a company. Primarily focused on Europe, but um, we are also investing outside of Europe especially some of our focus funds with a specific focus that see a lot of opportunity in their specific areas still outside of Europe. I think the FinTech fund would be a good example for that. And basically what the setup is, is that we have one um, horizontal uh, kind of flagship fund and below that we have different um, verticals, different teams that have specific focus areas. I'm taking care of our uh, X fund, which is focused on all things uh, network effects or marketplaces and platforms. Uh, we also have an F fund, which stands for FinTech, 
We have a high fund, which stands for industry, so that's IoT, Industry 4.0, Factory of Tomorrow. We also have a dedicated deep tech team. And then we also have a, a, a so-called general team, which basically covers everything that is also not covered by one of the other verticals. It's also looking for the new stuff that is, so to say, yet to come, and we don't even know yet what it will be. And um, uh, along, these are basically also supported by um, different um, horizontal support functions that we have for both internally to run the funds, but also externally to our founders and our companies in order to help them build their businesses. So we have a dedicated um, HR team. We have a dedicated um, growth hacking team that is called Speedinvest Pirates. We have a, a business dev team in uh, Europe and in the US uh, to basically help companies with go-to-market and uh, expansion to, to the North American market. And yeah, that, that's the reason why we actually are quite a big operation. We have around about 70 people in the whole of Speedinvest, of which a bit more than half are actually facing the companies, so supporting the companies. And those are all spread around our different offices in, um, in Europe and in the US. So we have a pan-European approach. Our headquarter is in Vienna because Speedinvest is originally from, from Austria. Uh, that's also where all the funds are domiciled. But then we also have an office in Munich. Uh, I run our Berlin office. Then we have also an office in London. And um, we also have an office in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, we're currently also uh, thinking about opening an office in, in Paris, which, which, we'll, uh, which we will uh, announce soon. And yeah, that's basically the setup. We have uh, different people from the different teams that I just mentioned in, the, in those offices to actually cover uh, yeah, the whole market. And you, as a partner, I'm very curious to learn what characteristics or KPIs do you look for in a startup, specifically now in the marketplaces? So I think that's an important part. It always uh, depends, right? So uh, that's exactly the reason why we have those different and dedicated teams, because they might be looking for different, so to say, proof points or aspects of a company. And so given the early stage at which we are investing, we, we obviously put a lot of importance um, onto the people that we are investing into, onto the founders, their background, uh, their experience, how, how relevant is this with regards to what they are planning to build. Are they um, exciting? I've also built actually, and, and, and we've developed a, a so-called marketplace scorecard, as we call it, where we actually go through all of these different aspects and you can find that on marketplace-scorecard.com and it has different um, headlines that are basically the different categories and founders is, is one of them it's actually the most important one we dedicate um, our different points to the different categories and founders is by is, is by wide margin the one with the most points which means it has the highest importance from all different categories and obviously the, the products that they are building and, and therefore the, the problem that the team is trying to solve and how big that problem actually is, which then also leads you to market size and the total addressable market. So how big is the market the, a, a team or a company is going after? And is it really a big opportunity that actually provides for VC style outcomes? And then in the case of, of us specifically, we obviously also look very much at the ability to develop network effects and is there a potential to develop very strong network effects which, which make the business much more defensible 
and therefore hopefully also more valuable uh, in the long run. But I think to put it very simple, what a VC is looking for and what is very important to understand from a founder point of view, but also for someone that is interested in landing a job in VC is they're generally interested into big outcomes that can basically return the fund for the VC. So if a VC is not interested in your company, it doesn't mean that it's not a viable business, but it might just not be a VC case. And I think that's something that's very important to understand that just because a VC might not be interested in First of all, VCs are most of the time wrong, so it doesn't mean much at all. But if, if you take some feedback, then maybe it, it means that that person doesn't believe that this can be big enough to make a difference for their fund, right? So it's a very specific way also to look at companies. And, and, and there's many other ways to look at companies as well that are completely fine and completely valid. Yeah, totally agree with that. And there is probably a lot of people that yeah are not really aware of that and also what it means then to get VC money and what the expectation is. So uh, good point. And since we are at also a bit of advice for startup founders or potential people that want to go into VCs, do you have any resources or books or tools that you like or that you can recommend to, let's say, aspiring entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a book that I can actually recommend to both founders and, uh, and also aspiring founders, as well as also people looking to break into the uh, VC industry, which is uh, called Venture Deals from Brad Felt. I think it gives you great basics of how VC deals are structured and how VCs also think. So I think it's very helpful for founders to actually understand the uh, thinking and the approach of VCs. And on the other side, uh, for someone that wants to work in the industry, it's a great basis to, to uh, basically hit the ground running when you start working. So there's something that I can definitely recommend to anyone and um, also recommend it to any new joiners that are new in the industry and our team to read it because it's an easy way to quickly get started in the, in the industry. And I mean, then there is a ton of blogs and also books about it. There is probably every week a new blog post that are being published and the industry is also developing. So I would just advise to follow a few exciting topics or people, for example, on Medium or Substack and, and read their stuff. Yeah? So there's a few very well-known people in the industry like uh, Bill Gurley from Benchmark and so on that, that was also one of the early bloggers and has producing a lot of great content. Also, some of it centered around marketplaces. I think NFX from, from San Francisco, from the Valley, is actually doing some great content around our marketplaces as well. But then there's also uh, many, many other uh, people, also less well-known people that produce a lot of great content, also very specialized content. Obviously, Christoph from Point9 is uh, producing a lot of content around SaaS, which, which is super valuable and insightful. So, I mean, there's, we, we are also obviously uh, blogging. You can uh, follow my stuff on, on my blog, which is uh, And we're mostly about marketplaces and about what we are doing at Speedemest X. But I think that already also gives you a good idea about uh, how, how we think and how, how we see things. Perfect. Yeah, I'll make sure to link to all of these links in the show notes as well so that people can find it uh, directly. Yeah, great. I could also actually, maybe I can give away, we have our own Amazon reading list for the team and maybe I can give you a sneak peek of it and we can also link to it uh, below. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, 
if you can provide that, that would be really cool. Sure. Great. Then I'll also link that in the show notes as well. So given the time, I, I want to finish with a, a few personal, more rapid fire style of questions. So uh, the first one is like, what is one of your best or most worthwhile investments that you've made so far? But I guess in your context, it can be an investment in a startup, but it could also be an investment of time or of uh, energy. So it's your choice. I take both. On the investment side, I would say from, from the beginning where you really see uh, the outcome and, and when it was, uh, that really produced an exit and therefore value for, for investors uh, was definitely Lieferando, so, which was then acquired or part of Takeaway and then Takeaway itself IPO'd. From the more recent times, it's because I have never seen a company growing that fast and with such a tremendously fast and excellent execution is, is, is tier mobility. But obviously, there has been no exits so far. On the personal side, I think my, my biggest personal investment was really the, the time that I spent on, on doing the jobs that I did and the things I learned along the way. So I learned a lot of the things on the job. That's probably also of how I am and how I learn. And I think, for example, the time I spent at, at point nine was extremely valuable for my general development. Now looking back, since you already had quite a long career in, in VC, do you have any advice you would give your younger self when you just started out your career? Something you would have done different or something you would just tell yourself as an advice? I don't think it's a rapid fire question. I can probably talk an hour about it, basically, or think about it at least. There's not that many things I would have done differently. Probably what I should have done in hindsight is I should have moved to Berlin earlier. If you want to keep it very simple, I should have moved properly to Berlin because I was spending a lot of time already before and I was kind of living here, but during the week I was spending in Switzerland. I love Switzerland, but no offense for what I'm doing. I should have spent much more time in Berlin, much less time in Switzerland. Okay. And is this just because Berlin is really becoming let's say after London or together with London, one of the main startup capitals in Europe? It's just amazing to see the tremendous development it had over the last couple of years. And if you're in the middle of it, you almost not recognize it anymore. But when you take the outside in view, then you suddenly realize what has actually happened. And actually opportunities like this one, now talking with you and reflecting on these things, uh, I see how much has happened. And I, I should have come here earlier and, and should have been part of that already earlier. And it doesn't matter if it's Berlin. For some other people, it might be another city. But if you have the strong urge and you feel that there's something happening somewhere else that is important to you and where you see opportunity, then just go there. Don't think about it. Just go there. It's not necessarily Berlin. For another person, it might be a completely different city because you're, I don't know, in, in art or in music. You think that another city is much more um, inspirational to you and there's much more happening there, then just go there. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very good advice. So let's say I, I'm boarding a 10-hour plane tomorrow for vacation. Do you have any book or movie that you would re recommend to me to watch? This does not need to be startup-related. Free choice. Good question. I can, I can state one kind of obvious one that probably many of the people in the audience have heard about already, but definitely principles. I enjoyed the 
type of thinking behind it. I don't agree with everything, but I think it's, it's a great framework. And, and I think that is something that, that at least I found quite insightful and interesting from Ray Dalio, the, the hedge fund manager. And then if I think a bit more about a kind of a fictional, less tech startup, I would think of, I actually love a lot of kind of uh, The Hobbit and all these books. I love them as a, as a teenager. I read all of it. So I think it's great for uh, inspiration, just uh, wandering with your mind in this landscape that I described in a very detailed way in the book. And that's what I love uh, about it and still, still like about it. So. But that's probably also an all-time favorite that everyone has read. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, thanks for sharing. I fully agree with both of the books. The, yeah, principles as well. Lord of the Rings, obviously, which is yeah. so much, much longer. <laughs> I still have Lord of the Rings on my to-read list. I kind of always want to save it up for a special time. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I love the movies. I was, for, I was actually, I was lucky that I read it before I watched the movies. And then I think, actually the movies destroyed some of them how I had imagined it. But it was also cool to see. But I think the book is so much richer because you, even if it's a super long three-hour movie or whatever, you can't put everything from the book into, into one movie. Simply, uh, There's so much. And that's the great thing about it. To close off, I'm always asking my guests one last question centered around the name of the podcast, the Leap Takers podcast. So in your opinion, what does courage mean to you personally or in a startup context? I think it means that you go into... Um, uncharted territory so you you are not afraid to leave your comfort zone and make a, a step into the dark so to say but it doesn't mean necessarily it has to be unprepared or in a, in a kind of uh, stupid way right you can still do it in a very prepared way and be smart about it but still not knowing what might happen and again thinking about what other advice stop overthinking it and just doing it in, in if you are in these kind of scenarios as i also always say like time kills every deal and time also kills every idea you can overthink everything and always come to the conclusion that it cannot work or uh, there's so many reasons why this should can fail but you have to be sometimes also just naive enough to get started and then something great will come out of it perfect Thank you very much, Matthias, for coming on the podcast. I will link everything that you, that you mentioned in the show notes. And to close off, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Or where can people find you online, for example? Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. It was, was great fun. As I said, I have a blog on ockenrock.com. There's also all things from Speedinvest and SpeedinvestX. I'm also tweeting quite a bit also under ockenrock.com. We also organize a conference twice a year, the Marketplace Conference, which is happening between Berlin and San Francisco. The next one is up in San Francisco on March 26th. So look it up on marketplaceconf.com and maybe see you there or at another occasion. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Great. Thank you very much, Matthias. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You could do me a really big favor if you would just tell one of your friends 
about the Leave Takers podcast and recommend it. Or if you want to do even more, quickly head over to the iTunes or Apple podcast store and give the Leave Takers podcast a five-star rating. This would really help me to get more visible and that I'll be able to continuously bring on great guests to this show. Thank you so much. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, just shoot me a message. You can find all my contact info on leaptakers.com or you can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram where you can find me under Remo Keyboards or just follow the Leap Takers podcast directly in Instagram as well. So having said that, thanks again for listening and have a great week. Bye-bye.